Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news in the week that was on the only podcast we'll ever need. Today, we're going to talk about Nintendo's security breach and Fortnite finally caving to Google. But first, I want to talk about some sales results from March 2020 released by the MPD Group last week. And before I get into it, hopefully this is sound too weird. Unfortunately, I came a little bit down under the weather, but uh, I didn't want to skip a week. So I'm going to try my best to go through this. I've tried to pretty much sort of not speak for the last three days in order to prepare my voice to record for this hour. But I really um, wanted to talk about a couple of things that came up last week, and I did not want to skip an episode. So let's start off by talking about March 2020 MPD results, which were huge. Obviously, what's happening right now in the world, it's not something to really be um, extremely happy or excited about a lot of these numbers. But, you know, because of what's happening around the world and people um quarantining themselves and staying home there were huge results for um, the industry last month now compared to 2019 total video game sales were up 35 percent hardware was up 63 percent software physical and digital up 34 percent accessories and game cards up 12 percent this is the most money in march the industry has generated and mpd's reporting since it generated $1.8 billion in 2008. So it took 12 years for us um, to beat that $1.8 billion record that was set in 2008. And all it took was a pandemic for the industry to actually do it. Now, Nintendo Switch had the best month of all the hardware, um, to no one's surprise. It generated the highest first quarter unit sales for any hardware platform since the Nintendo DS in the first quarter of 2010. And actually had the best March of any hardware ever since MPD began tracking. And it's interesting to see that Nintendo was able to set that record. Especially given the fact that it's extremely hard to find Nintendo uh, hardware right now. You know, they're still experiencing shortages. Uh, They did say that they were trying to increase output from their factories by 10%. To hopefully have it level out by the time we hit summer um but as of right now you know the moment these systems hit online unfortunately you know the reports of bots scooping them up in order to to keep inflating those resale prices so yeah the moment that i've seen them go up across different retailers best buy walmart target amazon they're usually gone um within you know three four minutes the hardware is still selling really really well so the fact that it was able to set this record for the best march of any hardware ever obviously driven um, by the quarantine and and also the release and success of animal crossing is pretty phenomenal for those numbers to come through even though um, they've been having issues with uh, keeping the system in stock um, and that moves us right into animal crossing you know i knew this game was um, going to be huge um, even even without the quarantine um, happening, but obviously that really fueled the numbers by a lot. Animal Crossing New Horizons was the top-selling title in March, despite only having 11 days to chart. If you remember, it did release on March 20th. It's the second best-selling game of 2020 so far. It's actually only behind Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And obviously that's... Um, 
a very hard title to beat to number one. That's pretty much impossible for um, Animal Crossing, not just because of the success of Call of Duty, but obviously the fact that Call of Duty is multi-platform compared to Animal Crossing that is only available on one system. Um, and what's very, very interesting about um, the Animal Crossing numbers that we're seeing coming out of March is that um, obviously this is all tracked by a research firm um, called the MPD um, that releases the sales data every month. Um, and they don't have access to digital sales. So the fact that it was a top-selling title in March and all the numbers that you're seeing for Animal Crossing that have been confirmed by all these research firms, none of them actually include um, uh, digital sales because the only way to um, even research the type of data is to get it directly to Nintendo, and Nintendo doesn't release that type of data. As I said, um, I think it was was a few weeks ago that um, Nintendo would not be releasing numbers you know sort of normal for them to show milestones for their game um, but knowing nintendo um, there's no way that they're going to release sales data at this time it just wouldn't be a good look for the company so we probably won't know exactly how well animal crossing has done um, until probably sometime in the summer i'm sure once they hit a nice round number um, they'll release some sort of uh, uh, press release talking about uh, how much uh, Animal Crossing was able to actually move. Um, now, Animal Crossing New Horizons recorded a bigger U.S. launch in terms of both copies sold and money made uh, than any Mario or Zelda game in history since the records began just in its launch month. NPD sales data shows New Horizons has already outsold the lifetime sales of every other Animal Crossing game in the entire series. Actually, in the U.S., it's now the third biggest Nintendo game launch ever behind December 2008's Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the Wii and 2018 Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for the Switch. Um, according to Super Data, which is a digital division of the Nielsen Company, New Horizons sold 5 million digital units in a month which is more digital units in a single month than any console game in history. Once again, this is a little bit... Uh, I think it's it's um, probably disrespectful to the people that work for the company to say it's an educated guess, but that's sort of what it is. They're analyzing a lot of data. That number that they're coming up with is an estimation. It's 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 I think it should it's higher than that. I'm going to say way higher, but five million seems a little bit low um, given all the information that we have in terms of what's happening right now. The console record for monthly digital game sales was previously held. The Call of Duty Black Ops 4 until Animal Crossing was able to beat it. New Horizons also roughly matched the first month digital sales of Smash Bros. Ultimate and Pokemon Sword and Shield combined. So, yeah, Animal Crossing has been nothing short of an absolute smash for uh, Nintendo. And, um, you know, there are a couple reasons why this is happening. Obviously, a lot of people are going to point to the, the quarantine and the pandemic um, as uh, key factors in terms of fueling a lot of these sales, especially a lot of the digital sales. Um, it, but it's not just uh, the fact that people are quarantined and being at home and you know needing things to play. Um, it's, it's just kind of this perfect alignment for Nintendo that has led to this because it's not just people playing from home. It's also people... Um, having more time to socialize and you know share photos and anecdotes and talk about the game, so they've been ha- they've had a lot of this um, 
sort of organic advertising that's taking place across social media, especially on on uh, platforms like Twitter and uh, Facebook. Um, and then you add on top of that the f- uh, just what Animal Crossing it is at its core. Um, it's a game that is extremely rare once you look at kind of across all media, not just looking within the scope of video games, but the fact that Animal Crossing is able to touch so many different demographics. We're talking about young, old men and women across the board. You know, um, there are more female gamers than there are male gamers, and there's usually not a lot of games that market directly towards females. But on top of that, um, the game is just able to touch across all these demographics equally um, without having to focus their message too much. And it's just it just really comes down to what the game is at its core. That Nintendo has been able to to uh, to do that, and um, you know, it really showcases the um, <clears throat> this DLC opportunity that Nintendo now has when it comes to Animal Crossing, especially the fact that um, they were able to move so many of these units through um, through the use of um, digital sales. Uh, I'm sure if it wasn't for this quarantine, a lot of those uh, digital sales will actually be physical but now that you're able to convert so many customers over from physical to digital you know you can kind of bank on the fact that a lot of these consumers that bought it digitally um, they did not go to their local store in order to buy a an eShop card they put in their credit card information attached it to their nintendo account so with all of that in mind with the fact that this game has easily moved over um, 10 million copies probably at 20 million by now um and the fact that you're having so many people download it digitally, Nintendo has this huge uh, DLC um, revenue opportunity when it comes to Animal Crossing. Nintendo announced free content coming to Animal Crossing for the next three months. Last week, uh, they added Leaf's Garden Shop. A uh, An art gallery was added to the museum along with Red making his return to the game. Uh, they added a bunch of challenges. They added some events for for May and and uh, for June. So just increasing that value proposition of the game. Um, but there is no better DLC generation opportunity in terms of revenue for Nintendo than Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons. You know they sort of dropped the ball a bit with Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, which does revenue, uh, excuse me, which does generate a lot of revenue for the company, um, but really not as much as it probably could have, um, given the fact that the Animal Crossing Pocket Camp game just doesn't really feel like a full-fledged Animal Crossing game, and obviously that was done on purpose by Nintendo. I think they're still a little bit afraid um, to allow these software games to be as full-fledged as they definitely could be um i think they they are still concerned that it would take away from console sales especially with the fact that um new horizons was was definitely in development while pocket camp was in development at the same time um so they had this huge dlc opportunity when it comes to um animal crossing new horizons that they definitely are going to take advantage of if you look at the back of your Animal Crossing case, if you haven't noticed it yet, they are rated by the ERSRB um, for microtransactions or you know paid content. So they are going to uh, be able to put something out there as long as Nintendo is really, really smart about it um, and continues to 
deliver this, um, as I said earlier, this value proposition of giving fans uh, these shared events for free, um, which is good in order to, to, to keep the game socially viable throughout the years, um, especially year one. Um, and then later on, add some sort of um, either paid DLC packs or, or, or um, paid content in terms of items. I mean, the company can generate such an enormous amount of revenue just from this game alone, especially seeing how successful it has been. Um, even within this forecast that we're seeing with the fact that Nintendo um, is kind of not able to, uh, their supply is not able to meet the demand that they're seeing right now because of the, the release of this game. So it's, it's, you know, it's been an absolute monster year for Nintendo when it comes to the success of Switch. Obviously a big month for them. Unfortunately, it wasn't all good news for Nintendo last week. They confirmed that around 160,000 Nintendo accounts were recently breached. The Nintendo account breach was connected to users with Nintendo Network ID logins. The company then disabled the NNID login function and reset the passwords if your account was affected. And uh, on top of that, Nintendo is asking users to turn on two-factor authentication. The press release, part of it read, quote, while we continue to investigate, we would like to reassure users that there is currently no evidence pointing towards a breach of Nintendo's databases, servers, or services. As one action in our ongoing investigation, we are discontinuing the ability to use a Nintendo Network ID to sign into a Nintendo account. As a further precaution, we'll soon contact users by resending passwords for Nintendo Network IDs and Nintendo accounts that we have reason to believe were accessed without authorization. The scariest part about this whole thing was that Nintendo did confirm that the hacking attempts have been ongoing since early April. Um, obviously, as of, t- as of today's date, uh, we are on the 27th. I think they, this news broke last week. I want to say it was on the 23rd around there. Um, now, Nintendo did confirm that uh, the hack did not include any sensitive data in terms of uh, banking, any banking information. So, for example, if you had a credit card attached to your Nintendo account, um, they were not able to access that. And the reason why is because this was not really a breach on a Nintendo server level. It's not like some hacker was able to access their servers. What basically happened was they these people that were able to get into these accounts, they used some sort of you know, maybe a phishing program or um, uh, some sort of a uh, password hack in order to directly get into people's Nintendo network IDs and then from there log into their Nintendo account. So it wasn't a direct breach, uh, but because they were able to get into your network ID, things like your if you had your real name on there, your date of birth, with some of that information that they were able to take. But what was real about this is that we've been hearing reports, or I've I've definitely seen reports of this since the beginning of April um, from different websites and, and on Twitter. I, I was kind of seeing a couple of accounts where people were saying that they found um, charges made on their credit cards uh, because people were able to um, access their Nintendo account. Um, and even though they couldn't, actually see you know their credit card number for example they were still able to use the credit card they had attached to their account in order to make purchases and um these people are 
being very public about it, just going on forums and discussing to see if anyone else was having the same issues. So the fact that Nintendo was aware of this since early April, they should have definitely, um, as a company, publicly said, hey, you know, we're researching um, a couple of, we've been getting some reports of, of um, people's accounts being used to purchase games. As of now, we would recommend, you know, turn on two-factor authorization for your account you know just be very transparent in terms of you know there is no evidence that everyone is affected we are still um, looking into it but just as a precaution uh, you should do this i actually uh in early april i myself turned two-factor on for my nintendo account i barely really even use it i don't have a credit card attached to it but i saw from some websites that there was kind of an issue and i was like oh i'm kind of curious if i do have it um enabled and i didn't so i did um turn two-factor on but this is kind of weird that um i did that because a third-party website just reporting on these um accounts um was suggesting for users to do it that's definitely something that should be coming straight from within um the company itself so i I do think it was a little bit of, of, of a failure on nintendo's part um to not suggest to users just to be a little bit careful since early April. Um, but, um, and, and, you know, obviously that, that was what probably led to that large amount, you know, 160,000 accounts being hacked since early April. That's a really, really large number that could have been um, lowered significantly. if Nintendo would have been very precautious from the very beginning. Um, On to our next story which is um, involving Fortnite. Obviously, the big story about Fortnite last week was the Travis Scott event. But before I touch on that, I want to address Fortnite finally hitting the Google Play Store. Uh, Fortnite was released on Android devices around 18 months ago, but only as a standalone download, not an official part of Google's Play Store. So if you um, have an Android device, you are able to access an unsigned or unverified third-party application, which a lot of um, users do. You know, Google will warn you, like, hey, this was not official verified by Google, but because of how open the platform is, you're able to just get a, get a game in there. And uh, that's exactly what Fortnite was doing. In order to play Fortnite on your Android, you had to go through a dedicated link that Epic provided. You couldn't get it officially from the Play Store. And all of this was done for the express reason of Epic trying to avoid um, paying the 30% um, fee uh, to Google, which I always find very weird. Uh, So basically what would happen is that, you know, if you were to purchase V-Bucks, through your Android device, you know, purchase ten dollars worth of V Bucks. Google takes thirty percent of that. Um, but what's weird is that that cut is exactly the same as Apple's, uh, which is um, you know on iOS. And obviously, there was no complaint from uh, Epic when it came to that. But the reason why they were not complaining is because there was no other way to get it into the Apple Store than going officially through Apple. Uh, they're going to do the same as as. Uh, the way that Android handles their um, uh, their operating system. So they finally put it back in the store, and then weirdly enough, they put out this press release, and part of it says, quote, 
Google puts software downloadable outside of Google Play at a disadvantage through technical and business measures such as scary, repetitive security pop-ups for download and updated software, restrictive manufacturing carrier agreements and dealings, Google public relations characterizing third-party software sources as malware, and new efforts such as Google Play Protect to outright block software obtained outside the Google Play Store. We hope that Google will revise its policies and business dealings in the near future so that all developers are free to reach and engage in commerce with customers on Android and in the Play Store through open services, including payment services that can compete on a level playing field. Um, None of this makes any sense at all. Now, I myself do not own an Android, um, but from my research um, for people online and uh, various stories that I read, this press release that Epic put out, according to Android users, was an absolute lie. There are no repetitive pop-ups um, once you get the game installed on our, and are using it. Um, you know, Google characterizing third-party software sources as malware is also kind of a lie. I'm sure that there is something on the um, the phone itself that probably tells you in terms of hey do you trust this you know this could be malicious but I can't imagine it um, characterizing something that you've already installed and already put into your system as you know consistently reminding you that this is malware for example you know none of this press release makes any sense at all it's sort of like um, being angry at Google because you don't want to play you don't want to pay that 30% cut. Um, but then again, you know, Epic Games pays that cut across the board. You know, that cut is still taken, um, you know, from Microsoft and, and, and Sony and Nintendo, for example. They, they still do take a cut per sale. Same as um, uh, Apple. The only place where no cut is taken is on PC because they have their own launcher. For Fortnite, obviously, which is launching the Epic Game Store. So um, this kind of just doesn't make any sense in terms of why they're getting so angry about it. Um, obviously, that there must have been an issue in terms of um, installs. They probably started to realize for the amount of Android devices out there, there probably aren't enough installs, um, which does make sense if you don't have the game in the Play Store. That means you can't advertise inside the Play Store. Um, and you won't show up in terms of, you know, top downloads. And I'm sure a lot of that drives, um, you know, people to play the game. There's probably a lot of Android users that probably didn't have any idea that Fortnite existed on Android because there's no official channel to find it. So, you know, this kind of just doesn't make any sense. It should have just put on the play store from the very beginning it would have alleviated alleviated all of this and you know if you want to quietly release on the play store that's what you should have done for 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 epic games to put out this um sort of disclaimer i I don't know it's almost like um trying to gaslight their own fans to be angry at google for just running a business uh the same business that um at the same exact cut that you're paying apple um, and you, you, you're not saying the same things about iOS in terms of the way that they, they deal with their business. So I, I don't know. None of this really makes any sense uh, for them to have done that. The biggest story last week was um, with Travis Scott. Fortnite set a record over 12.3 million concurrent players participated live on day one for Travis Scott's astronomical 
which was an all-time Fortnite record. Now, this uh, Travis Scott um, being included in the game leaked a month ago. A bunch of data miners were able to find it. And I was vocal on my Twitter about it. I was I was um, disappointed in, in, in Travis Scott. And the reason why, I guess, I was a little bit disappointed um, about Travis Scott's inclusion is, you know, Fortnite is, I wouldn't even call it brazen. Um, I would probably call it blatant. They're very blatant in the way that they run their business when it comes to stealing the work of other artists. Um, you know, we we live in a time right now, especially with the way that the internet um, kind of operates right now. It's, you know, it's sort of being a wild, wild west and not being able to trace something back to its source is usually very, very difficult. Um, you know, we kind of have gotten to the point where when something is released on the internet, um, especially through social media, there's almost like this um, unwritten rule amongst a lot of people that browse the internet where everything is sort of free real estate. And the moment something hits, you know, uh, I'll use the example of TikTok, uh, a, you know, a dance challenge, for example, hits TikTok. Um, there's a, I wouldn't call it a reluctance. I wouldn't even say that people are consciously not giving credit, but I think a lot of people look at it as, oh, it's on the internet. There's no need for me to give you credit. It's now officially um, out of your hands. And unfortunately, the people who suffer the most from um, getting their work stolen is people of color. It's it's just, it's very systemic. It's very historical when it comes down to it. And Fortnite has been a repeat offender when it comes down to this. Obviously, we learned a lot about the lawsuits that were brought up against them um, from artists such as Two Millie and Block Boy for stealing, uh, you know, the shoe and the Millie Rock, for example, and just renaming it. Um, you know, I, I I don't play Fortnite. You know, it's it's really just kind of not my thing. Um, but I, I try my best to keep up with it. And it wasn't until I started to look into it a lot deeper about a week ago, two weeks ago. You know, I've sort of been looking into Fortnite for the past few months, a little bit closer, but not as close as I have for the past two weeks. I didn't know just how many of their emotes or dances are are um, just stolen. Like, <laughs> it's really no other way to really put it. I'm pretty sure that it's gotten to the point that for Fortnite, it's part of their process now. Um, I'm sure when they have meetings in terms of you know, adding more content to the store in terms of new emotes and dances. I don't think that meeting really revolves anymore around, hey guys, what ideas have you guys come up with in terms of what dances and emotes we can add into the game? Those meetings now revolve around, hey guys, what's hot right now? What's what's trending um, at this moment? And how quickly can we turn this around and get an emote into the game in order to capitalize on this success? Because it's not really dances that they're stealing. Um, you know, you notice that a lot of the emotes are based around trending um, memes that have, have been able to, 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 to catch fire. You know, there was one emote that was released in February that when I saw it, it was I think it was called Slow Clap or something like that. I immediately recognized that. I was like, oh, this is the... Pelosi clap meme that made the rounds last year. I think, I think what was it like after a state of the union address? I think it was. She kind of did this super weird clap behind Donald Trump, and it and it and it 
caught fire and it was trending sort of worldwide across social media. And um, that's really what uh, Fortnite has devolved into is it's not really about originality and relying on um, their roster and what they can do. And that's not to say that they don't come up with original emotes and dances. I'm sure a lot of their money, though, that they generate is fueled by what's hot because you're kind of latching on to that mimetic culture that, you know, the Internet has been able to cultivate over the last few years. So going back full circle, the reason why I was a little disappointed seeing Travis Scott come to this agreement is that Travis Scott being an artist of color, you know, argue, not even arguably, he's top five um, in terms of hip hop superstars right now. He is top five without a doubt um, in terms of recognition. Um, you know, he, he was obviously paid to have his likeness put into this game. And there are just a lot of artists of color, not just, you know, artists of color, but um, hip hop artists that just had their work stolen and were given absolutely no credit and were absolutely definitely not given any money um, for their stuff being put into the game. When you have someone like Travis Scott, who, who um, is a representative of this uh, hip hop culture that's able to get a seat at the table, it's a little um annoying to see that someone with that much power uh, would not stick up for the artist that Fortnite has blatantly stolen from and it's obvious that Fortnite steals because they can you know the fact that these dance moves cannot be copyrighted that's obviously the reason why they do it and if you don't think that's the reason why they do it ask yourself unless I'm I'm going crazy I've never seen this I've never seen the moonwalk inside of um Fortnite and the reason why the moonwalk is not in there um is simply because uh you know even though the moonwalk is not copyrighted um they would not dare go up against michael jackson's um estate if they were to try to put the moonwalk in there so it, it shows you that they steal but they're very very careful about who and what they steal from um because uh they're, they're obviously still uh very very aware and afraid of being sued is probably something that their lawyers told them. No, I don't think you should do that. There's no way they haven't thought about adding the moonwalk into the game. Um, but look, all my personal issues aside um, with, with what happened, obviously this is, it's a very, very big story in terms of talking about um, the fact that Fortnite steals um, from creators and content creators, you know, all that put aside the, event itself was you know i'm i've been consistently impressed by what epic has been able to do with fortnite not just from a business standpoint the fact that they've been able to put all of these um uh deals into place you know with disney for example with dc and marvel and all these different things they've been able to do the stranger things um collaboration that they did with netflix they're really good with bringing a lot of these companies into the fold and not just bring all these companies in the fold, but giving them full control over the IP, you know, just the simple fact that, you know, you had Thanos and he could dab and do all these crazy things. I was very surprised that Disney gave up that much control, um, you know, but outside of the business standpoint, just from a technical standpoint, what they've been able to do um, with these events has been, you know, you, 
you got to just absolutely respect it. Whether you like Fortnite or not, that's fine if it's not your type of game. As I said before, it's not my type of game. I do not like it. Um, I will never play it. Um, but I absolutely respect what Epic has been able to do. You look at the Marshmallow concert, you compare it to this Travis Scott event, it would have been very easy for them to still get those 12 million concurrent players, still got a lot of this buzz that they got by just putting the Travis Scott avatar on the stage, but for them to build this 10-minute experience that completely takes over the map and you know went underwater and into space and all these different switches with, with the Travis Scott avatar and, you know, it kind of like teleporting all over the place, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a, a sight to see. And, um, something that got me wondering about, you know, what Fortnite is capable of. I'm, I'm sort of working on a video to put together some thoughts about where I think Fortnite is going next, but, um, seeing what they've been able to do, um, the amount of, um, interest that they're probably gaining right now from a lot of record companies is probably at an all-time high seeing what they were able to do for Travis Scott. The fact that he debuted um, the song with Kid Cudi called The Scott, so it's been number one ever since it released on Fortnite. And I have to believe that it would not be at number one for as long as it did if it didn't debut on Fortnite. I mean, I would love for Travis Scott to put out those numbers of, um, or, or Spotify to put out numbers. I wonder how much of an effect it had on his streams. I'm sure a lot of record companies um, and publishers are, are, are looking at this very, very closely. Um, not just because of the fact that we're going through this pandemic right now. And I mean, who knows when when's the next time we're going to be able to see an artist go on tour, for example, put on an official concert. Um, but just a simple fact that what Fortnite has been able to build as an, you, 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 you tell an artist, Hey, we'll be able to build a concert for you and you'll be able to have 12 million people watch it at the same exact time. The amount of organic, uh, advertising that you're going to have on social media and the direct response that you're going to have, because everything obviously being digitally connected, um, driving people towards, um, your library and your discography on Spotify or Apple Music. I mean, it. You know, this amount of advertising can't. You know, cannot be ignored um, by a lot of these studios, uh, big and small. So, you know, this event had. I think. I think out of all the events that they've done, I feel like this is the one that's going to have the biggest impact for Epic in terms of gaining advertising and a lot more partners than we've ever seen them do before to the point that they're probably going to have a lot more consistent events after this one. Um, Travis Scott was the perfect person to partner with in terms of his aesthetic and his branding for what they were able to do. Um, just overall, like I said, uh, just, just absolutely phenomenal job from Epic Games and um you know, hopefully I'll be able to put together something very, very soon in terms of my thoughts on Fortnite, because um, to be honest, I think a lot of people are undermining um, what Epic has been able to build um, in just a few short years. You know, Fortnite is no, not even more than two years old, and you see what these uh, this team has been able to do with it. 
And I think a lot of um, gamers and fans and viewers are selling Epic short in terms of what Fortnite is capable of. Um, and I would love to have that uh, discussion at some point. Uh, moving on to our final story, uh, Horizon Dawn sequel. According to VGC, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is currently in the works, which is, um, I mean, pretty obvious. You know, the game sold over 10 million copies. Uh, Guerrilla, uh, according to this report from VGC, they always envisioned Horizon Zero Dawn as a trilogy. The sequel was originally a PS4 game before it moved eventually over to PlayStation 5. You know, that blurb right there sort of supports my theory that this will be a launch title. Hopefully it is. Sony really does need a huge title at launch in order to move these systems. Something on par with what Microsoft is, is launching, which is Halo Infinite. Now, details about the sequel are skim, excuse me, skim, uh, slim, but VGC reports that Guerrilla is working on some sort of co-op gameplay. Guerrilla had planned for the original game to have co-op, but ended up axing the feature. But the developer was reportedly so committed to the idea, was working on a standalone co-op game that will be set between the first and second game with progress carrying over to the sequel, which sounds like that was probably axed. Um, sources told VGC that Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is gigantic in its scope with a bigger emphasis on player freedom in a larger world. So, you know, hopefully, um, especially hearing from this report that it was confirmed that, that the sequel was originally a PlayStation 4 game, which lends um, itself to the fact that this game has been in development for a very, very long time. I'm sure Sony was was aggressively pushing Guerrilla um, to get this out um, for the launch of PlayStation 5. As I said before, I, I do sort of feel like Gorilla is, is making a bit of a play on the Decima engine. Um, and I think that this is just another game to showcase to the world how powerful this engine is. I, I think that Sony is interested in not keeping this engine in-house anymore, especially after the release of Death Stranding, seeing what Kojima was able to do with it. I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn was technically... Uh, from a technical standpoint, one of the greatest achievements in the last generation. That's just undeniable. Whether you're a, a, a stan of Xbox or whatever, you can't deny that Horizon Zero Dawn, um, from a technical standpoint, was was um, phenomenal. Um, and I'm and I'm very very interested to see what Guerrilla can do with the sequel. Not just only given the power of PlayStation Five, but seeing what Kojima was able to get out of the engine for uh, PlayStation 4 and the amount of time that he was able to do it. Um, you know, you look at how amazing that game looks. Um, you know, whether you like the game or not, you can't deny that uh, graphically the game is phenomenal. So I think it'll be interesting to see a, a, a sequel. I'm really, really hoping um, that we will see this at launch. It'll be a huge win for Sony to get this out of the gate um, for PlayStation 5 uh, day one. Um, so we'll obviously we'll just have to uh, wait and see exactly what happens. Hot releases for the week. April 28th, we have Moving Out. That's coming to PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Soccer Rewards for PlayStation 4. Telling Lies for PC, Switch, and Xbox One. We have Gears Tactics coming to PC and PC Game Pass. Daymare 1998, that's for uh, excuse me, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. April 30th, we'll see the release of Streets of Rage 4 for PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered 
that 30-day exclusivity on PlayStation 4 expires, so we releasing on PC and Xbox One. Uh, now time to wrap it up. The stories we didn't have time to get to. Death Stranding PC has been delayed to July 14th, obviously giving them a little bit more time on that development um, uh, because of everything that's happening with the with the pandemic. It makes the utmost sense. You know, I've been thinking about um, getting a new PC for a little while, and part of me would love to replay Death Stranding, especially um, if a mod community latches on. I think mods for Death Stranding will make the game much more fun than it actually was so I, i'm very uh interested in this game when it finally does come out games from warner brothers interactive entertainment xbox game studios codemasters and clay entertainment were removed from nvidia's geforce now service last friday i mean the amount of issues that nvidia has had with this um uh with this service is pretty incredible you know because they've had like you know, you have a huge publisher like Ubisoft that has said that they're 100% committed to what NVIDIA is doing. And then you have all of these other studios that are just taking their games out left and right, especially um, after the service has been up for so long. Xbox makes sense, obviously, because of, of their own service. But I think what we're seeing is there's a lot of these uh, publishers that are probably more interested in going their own individual route. Uh, when it comes to cloud gaming and cloud services and probably partnering with Google or Amazon or even Microsoft with the um, Azure service that they're building in order to have that back end, um, uh, in order to, to have that sort of pipeline to deliver a game through the cloud. But a lot of these publishers are probably more interested in making the um, revenue just 100% on their end and, and keeping sort of that um that loyalty just straight through the publisher and stuff going through nvidia um, and what they're doing with their service maybe nvidia is not giving the studios a big enough cut there must be something that uh, they have to reevaluate in order to get a lot of these games um, to be able to come back into their service in order for this to continue growing microsoft's official xbox series x logo has popped up it's part of a new trademark filing I mean, I, I like it. I think it's simple. You know, it's very um, simple. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I think it looks pretty pretty cool. I'm very, I'm always um, um, very eager every generation to see box art. I just love um, boxes. <laughs> like, I don't know, that kind of sounds a little bit weird, but I'm always interested in um, the changes that go through um, one generation's boxes compared to the next one. So every time I see logos, um, I feel like, you know, seeing the um, the boxes is, is right around the corner, and that's usually what I'm excited about. Former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer blamed China over his purchase of a blatantly obvious bootleg PS4 controller. I mean, this thing was really bad. Uh, he tweeted a photo along with um, some text that said, quote, another reason to distrust China. We bought my kids a PS4 and for a second controller from Amazon. The controller was made in China, of course, and it doesn't work. It never worked. It's junk. Now, look, the, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has seen this. It just looks like an absolute garbage, terrible bootleg, right? The controller. Um, 
instead of the, the home button that had a P4, so P4 for, for whatever reason, all the shapes were cut in half. Instead of a pink square, it was an L, for example. It was just a really, really bad bootleg. Um, and there's just no reason for anyone to ever bring, um, you know, for you to say, oh, it came from China, so it's junk. For you to not see the irony that you're probably tweeting this from a phone that was built in China. If you don't see the irony in that, I I, I don't know what else to, to, to tell you, but obviously that doesn't make any sense. Uh, for And for the final uh, story, WWE 2K. Um, 2K Games has... Uh, Confirmed that they will officially skip this year. This is probably something they they should have done a few years ago. This this game just has to be re- rebuilt from the ground up. They probably, in my opinion, have to find or refine whatever engine it is that they're using because it's obviously not working. And that's outside of all the bugs and the issues that they have with 2K20 when it released. Just the game itself, the engine does not just does not lend itself um, very well to a combat sport. It just doesn't look very very good. Um, so that that was kind of the story. But before I started recording, uh, WWE 2K actually announced a new game coming out this fall, which is called WWE 2K Battleground, which is an arcade style wrestling game. Which I know that there's something that a lot of fans have been asking about and something that I've been even been saying myself that would be extremely successful in order to turn, um, you know, I think, I think, um, what every, the desire of every publisher is to have a license or a franchise and then ask yourself how many different branches can I make from this one tree? So for them to have a, an arcade and a simulation game and able and, and be able to hopefully build two teams and have them, um, you know, release one year simulation, the next year arcade is a huge opportunity for them in order to make sure that their simulation title is always A, kept up to date and plays really, really well, and B, you're able to release a simulation title and then uh, build a two-year downloadable content plan in order to keep revenue high while gamers wait for the next one. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, but this game just looks absolutely awful. I mean, they only released like a a like 30-second teaser, but I don't understand why they went with this art style. You know, every uh, wrestler looks like really short, of like stubby arms and like big heads and you know they're fighting like on a boat and there's like a shark and uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it it just looks absolutely awful um so i understand 2k's decision to green light this and i think they looked at it as like oh cool this is a good stop gap but i i mean look I, i'm not a wrestling fan i'm definitely not going to be buying this game but i just you know I, I, I don't see wrestling fans latching onto this game unless the gameplay is phenomenal because it just looks awful. Um, before we go, shout out to the speedrunning charity organization Games Done Quick. They announced that it, they raised over $400,000 for direct relief with its Corona Relief Done Quick event that took place last week. 100% of the proceeds will go to direct relief, which is a charity providing personal protective equipment and other medical necessity to health workers responding to COVID-19. So amazing work by that team as always. And, and that, that's, that's it. Um, thank you guys so much for, for, for joining me. Hopefully um, this 
um, you know, sounded fine. My throat is absolutely killing me right now, so definitely going to drink uh, some tea after this. Uh, but thank you guys so much for, for joining me. If you're listening, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Camp Koji for future updates. Um, before I go, please be very, very careful. Apparently, Last of Us 2 spoilers are all over the place. Somehow, someone was able to get their hands on an, uh, a copy and apparently leaked cutscenes and like the ending and story beats and things like that. So, be very, very careful scouring the internet if you um, don't want it spoiled for you. Uh, and that's it. Once again, I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.